If you enjoy this episode of Obscure Obsessions, please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. And now, the Obscure Obsessions Halloween Special. It also stars John Aston, who was uh, Gomez Adams. Right, and Riddler number two. Riddler number two. Rip Taylor, like we said. Oh my God, Nedra Valls, who was Who's the- Nedra Valls? She replaced Mrs. Garrett on different strokes ah. when Mrs. Garrett was spun off into her own show. Which this is of, very exciting. Which of course became uh, The Facts of Life. Right. Which then got a reunion movie on Wonderful Worlds of Disney. That's right. Did they go to? Did they go down under? No, I, th- I know Sabrina I think that went. Was Sabrina and I know, Teenage I, Witch. And I remember watching that as it premiered, and I was thinking, uh, how are we going to set up this movie today? Since this is what our this is our third Halloween movie, or, or excuse third me, Halloween third special. Halloween special. And I feel such in the Halloween mood. Sure. Unfortunately, Megan is not here to to buy us the uh, pecan pies. No, she's probably serving pumpkin right now. pie, and. Uh, what better movie to discuss for Halloween than a movie that has absolutely nothing? nothing. Not a single. I was going to say it's moment. so weird that we spent so many months deliberating over what this <laughs> year's true. holiday trilogy was going to look like. Yeah. And when we eventually decided on this particular layout and we were happy with that, yes. it only took the time to watch the movie and then realize, well, wait a second. Well, here's, here's this a, is not really a Halloween movie he, even at all. Here's a good question. Because the other one we were considering was Adam's Family Reunion. Oh. Does Adam's Family Reunion take place at Halloween? I'll say this. Adam's Family Reunion has the same kind of conundrum I felt about Munster Go Home where... They're both set essentially in the daylight most of the time at some sort of either vacation destination or right. they're out of their element. In Adam's Family Reunion, they're at a country club or a resort. Yeah, and remember the woman in Adam's Family Reunion is the woman who later on played Diva Tox in oh, Power yeah. Rangers Turbo. Uh, I'm trying to see what her... Oh, and of course it had Haley Duff in it. Right. And Ed Bagley Jr., otherwise known as the Big Kahuna... From, uh, what was that? Or Richard Tyler's father. And, of course, it also had uh, the great um, Ray Walston, who we know know from... uh, What the hell was that movie? Star Wars, Star Wars. Uh, No. No, uh, My Favorite Martian. He was the original... I thought of Ray Wise for a second. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Ray Romano, which was in none of these things. (laughs) But actually, the... In our previous... What did we do with the first Halloween special? Was also... Both were brackets. Which one did we talk about at Adam's Family Reunion? One, one or the... I think the first one. I think one. we teased Adam's Family Values on... I think it was the first year? one, though. Maybe the first year. But we definitely talked about the Adam's Family. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I was thinking after we watched the Munsters... Or rather, Munster Go Home. Right, because they're two different feature lengths. And I'll I'll give you a little uh, rundown of the old history. Would you call the Munsters one of your top five favorites? I would say so. I've definitely seen all the episodes. Mm -hmm. Not in a long time. Uh, As you know, I did a few months ago buy the entire box set. Mm -hmm. And the Munsters was only 70 episodes. Well, I shouldn't say only 70 episodes. It was two seasons, but 70 episodes. Right. Which at the time was enough for syndication. But I was thinking about how in pop culture, 
There are certain shows and movies and characters that pop culture fans, nuts like you and I, like to use to sort of pair or um, to put up against each other. Yeah. So one of the famous pop culture questions that fans will often say is, whom do you prefer? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ginger or Marianne from Gilligan's Island? And you have to say which one you like. You don't have to, but if you're wanting to be a... If you're a Gilligan's Island head. If you're a Gilligan's Island aficionado. Mm-hmm. I like Gilligan's Island. I prefer Gullah Gullah Island. Well, so do I. In fact, I was reading an interview uh, with the... Fi- they picked up with the... Well, I think their name was the Wise. Oh, God. What were their names? I know the one woman's name is Natalie. Oh. On Gullah Gullah Island, but good reference. We should do. We got to find where the hell to watch season that. Season five. <laughs> watch that in season five. Another uh, popular uh, pop culture either or is who do you prefer, Mickey Mouse or Bugs Bunny? Yeah. And the other big one is which show do you prefer, the Munsters or the Adams Family? Hmm. And I think for you and I, we have different answers. Well, sort of. <sighs> I don't know, because when I think of The Addams Family, truthfully, Mm. I think of the Raul Julia movies. Okay. I don't necessarily think of the TV show, because I've seen a a smattering of episodes of the show, but I really grew up watching the movies. Yeah. And And this is another case where I think I didn't see these movies until I watched them with you. I I probably saw the first Adams Family when I was maybe nine. Yeah. Ten years old, something like that. Because I definitely saw the show. Because what they would do often on TV land is they'd have Munsters at whatever, 5 to 5.30, and then Adams Family, 5.30 to 6. They were always paired together. But I've always preferred... The Munsters. I like both, but I've always preferred the Munsters way more. I think that there's a very obvious parody of what the monsters are trying to do mm-hmm. whereas the thing that i think an adams family whether it be the movies or the original tv show cuz the tv show was still based on a comic strip right the adams family yeah so the adams family is a little bit muckier and harder to define what exactly it is that they are mm-hmm. and also i think that there's now a trope and a a style that has been not correctly followed through where they think that the Adams family are just cold and stoic and mean and they don't yeah well because like when I was a kid I totally understood what the monsters were a parody of because Uh probably because I had watched all those Abbott and Costello monster ones and then the real monsters but for me as a kid I couldn't quite figure out what are the the Adams family I'm still not even sure are they supernatural are they preternatural are they just weird Mm-hmm. But with the monsters, I understood, okay, Herman is Frankenstein, right. except he cries when he doesn't get his way. <laughs> he laughs a lot. <laughs> Lily is the bride, is, well, Lily's either the, br- actually, she's- I thought she's a Dracula She's type. Dracula's daughter, because actually grandpa, right, grandpa would be is Dracula. And in fact, his name, his real name in the show is Sam Dracula. Oh. Which in certain episodes, you'll find that, uh, and then of course, Eddie- is a werewolf, which now, how do you get a werewolf from a, a, Frank a vampire and, and a... Although Lily's brother, Lester, is a, is a vampire. Well, He's then, the wayward brother. But then that also means that the Count, or Grandpa, mm-hmm. had to have had coitus with a vampire. I think so. Or, we sorry, ne- a werewolf. We never meet Grandma. By the way, it's not Grandpa Munster. They make that mistake a lot because... Well, oh. you said that it was kind of sometimes interchangeable on the show where... It was 
that the continuity didn't always line up because people just yeah I, I don't Munster. know though I don't know if on the show he's ever called Grandpa Munster but in the years since they just say oh Grandpa Munster but he is actually Lily's right. father and Herman's family does appear particularly his shyster brother Charlie who's an identical twin which <laughs> how could Herman if he was built in a laboratory have an exact from spare parts have a right. twin unless minimally the head of the guy that they used to build maybe Herman they came from twi twin perhaps I, I don't know that the show ever really got into it no but the monsters has still maintained its popularity but i think the adams family obviously has been more omnipotent in its presence because and people one have could seen maybe the movie. argue in a way though that the adams family has done that only because of the fact that they have made so many iterations of the Adams family. Yeah, I don't know that the original since. show is nearly as popular as the movies, but the movies have kept it cuz what how many movies have there been now? Cuz there was the the two Raul Julia's ones, yeah. then there was Reunion, then there was that cartoon. There are two cartoon ones. Oh, I never saw the second cartoon. But we so saw means, the first one, didn't we? Right. That means there's five five minimally. Uh whereas and then, you know, you have the the spinoff TV show. Yeah, I'm trying to see here. Oh, and of course they were on an episode that we cannot find. Of Scooby-Doo. Because uh, rights issues. But then you have, on the other hand, the, the Munsters who've had a, shall we say, slightly less glamorous sure. movie presence. Because, let's see. Okay, on Wikipedia, some poor demented soul has actually devoted an entire Wikipedia page to the Munsters film series. Wow. And now, I remember film series used to be... The Alien movies is a uh -huh. film series. Uh, James Bond is a film series. Sure. The Munsters is not a film series, first and foremost, <laughs> because they've really only made a handful. And they're mostly been TV movies. So the original movie was Munster Go Home, which mm -hmm. we watched. Then there was a one-hour animated TV movie that was part of the ABC Saturday Superstar movie, which aired on Saturday mornings. Well, you said that was animated? This was animated, and this was called The Mini Munsters. And the only person to come back was Al Lewis because he literally would do anything. <laughs> anything. Then in 1981, there was another TV movie, but this was a live action one. Was called, that the other one? That was the other one on the disc called The Munster's Revenge, which had Yvonne DiCarlo, Fred Gwynn, and Al Lewis because Al Lewis would do anything. Then in 1996, now this one sounds good to me. I'm going to, I'm going to read this to you. The Munster's Scary Little Christmas. Oh, wait a second. I thought that was just a TV show or a TV nope. episode. This was a, I'm trying to see, is it, oh, it was actually live action, I think, mm -hmm. where, here's the, here's the synopsis of it. This will really get us into the, a spooky mood. Grandpa has accidentally captured Santa Claus <laughs> while Lily is trying to win the local neighborhood Christmas decorating. Oh, no. God, she's a Mary, uh, Martha no, May Cuvier. Yeah. <laughs> this I got to say. And then... Oh, by the way, uh, in that series, Marilyn was played by Elaine Hendricks, who oh. you know, not only for Inspector Gadget 2, mm -hmm. but she was, uh, what was her name in The Parent Trap? She was... Uh, oh, is she the stepmom? Yeah, uh, Meredith. Now, I remember that Christmas special, or I guess it's a TV movie, because when I used to work at the video store and we would get the 
section ready for Christmas, I remember stacking the shelves and seeing a DVD that had uh, Herman Munster in Christmas attire. Here's why, because this was part... Oh, it featured a different cast, though, from the Munsters Today, which was a remake television series that they did. Oh. Because Here Come the Munsters was another... Oh, this was from 1995, which was, I think, connected to... No, this was another series. So they did a, a bunch of television movies. Here Comes the Munsters, The Munsters Christmas, and then, of course, The Munsters Lay Dormant. There was a few attempts to bring The Munsters back. Mm-hmm. There was a show called, I think it came out as a TV movie called Mockingbird Lane, which was oh. supposed to be a reimagining of The Munsters with a serious cast. Um, yeah. And they shot a pilot for it, and the pilot didn't sell. And they ended up just showing it on TV as a... Yeah, it was called Mockingbird Lane, created by Brian Fuller. Oh. Who, of course, did Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies, American Gods. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew the name. Uh, and it starred Jerry O'Connell as Herman, as Herman Munster, Portia de Rossi as Lily Munster, Mason Cook from Spy Kids 4 as Eddie Munster. Of course. And Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. Wow. And this was ten year, over 10 years ago. That's wild. And then the monsters really lay dormant until... Um, that fateful... That fateful day when there was a hurricane outside and you and I were trying to sign into my Netflix and the damn thing wouldn't go on. I remember just cursing and swearing and getting progressively more and more vitriolic in my discourse. Yes. Uh, well, that was definitely odd because... We're, of course, talking about the... Uh, the Rob, Rob Zombie. Zombie because monsters. my confusion and frustration with that is... I had remembered for years there were rumblings of Rob Zombie making a Monsters movie. And even before that, I remember there being rumors that the Wayans brothers were going to produce either a movie or a TV series, which I don't know if they would have been in it or... Would that have... I don't know if that would have worked as well, but the thing is that then the first trailer eventually came out. Well, we were excited first. Remember before it came out, the trailer? I mean, it seemed like... This could be not a bad idea. And also, considering I'm not that big of a Rob Zombie fan anyway. Have I you seen many of his films? Several. Yeah, I don't think I've seen, apart from The Monsters, I don't think I've seen And any. I thought, okay, this could be interesting because it seemed like he had the backing of a big studio. And I know he's a big fan of The Monsters. Yeah. For years I knew this. So it seemed like this could be a chance for him to maybe explore a different avenue of his directorial vision. Kind of like when Spielberg did 1941. He wanted to expand his uh, directorial, and uh, try a comedy. He wanted yeah. to go out of his norm. And that was a disaster, but not nearly as big a disaster. <laughs> I was going to say, 1941 is way more redeeming than the Monsters. Absolutely. And that trailer came out, and it was so confusing because I don't even know where to begin. Well, f- first of all, the color palette was totally wrong. Right. Monster Go Home had uh, color problems, mm-hmm. but the it was so green and garish Herman. But the bigger problem was, of course, that it wasn't funny. Oh, that was the hugest problem. And there's no way around it. Either it's funny or or it's it's not. not. And there's really a very rare gray area. So we knew that we were going to be in Florida when the movie was eventually coming out to Netflix. Because that's the other thing, too, is that I believe it was supposed to have at least a limited theatrical release. Yeah, I've heard mixed reports 
My guess would be yes, but Rob Zombie in some interviews claimed that that was always the plan. I don't know if I believe that or not. So it eventually gets the straight to streaming Mm -hmm. treatment and Netflix picks it up for distribution. And we know, okay, we'll be in Florida when this is premiering. Oh, and we have a, a tradition of watching bad movies during our Florida trip. Exactly. And this one, this we've now moved into the 20th century by doing it on uh, streaming. streaming. And it happened to co-align with a horrific <laughs> hurricane. Yes. In, I guess, mid to late September. Mm-hmm. And the hotel that we were staying in was trying to essentially be a shelter in place for this part of Central Florida. Yes. Because everyone and their mother was checked into different rooms it was raining cats and dogs and the wind was out of control. So what this meant too was that everyone trying to use the internet at one time <laughs> was horrifically slowing but down the But I still think it was only my room. No one else had problems. No one else had as much problems. So we had horrifically long delays. I think it took like 20 minutes just for me to sign in. I had to change my password because it's those hotel ones. Mm-hmm. Where eventually we finally get some progress going where we're able to at least open the app and scroll to the movie. And then we start and press play and the movie begins to pixelate out of control because, again, a hotel full of people is trying we're to all use. trying to watch Rob Zombies <laughs> and the Monsters. Everyone said, you know what? Forget this bad, this inclement weather. And I think we eventually, it eventually, but didn't it have buffering problems throughout? We had buffering problems throughout. So what... The runtime of the movie is somewhere in the 100-minute range. I believe so. Uh, but I think yeah, that ten, close which is, oof. to two and a half hours or three hours <laughs> to watch the movie. Well, unfortunately or fortunately, that didn't happen the next night when we watched The Pentaveret. That's true. And certainly, that's an awful, awful movie. One, it doesn't have the spirit at all the mo- mm-hmm. of the series. It was just unfun. It wasn't funny. Well, and I think that my worry was that when we saw the casting of who was going to be playing the main characters, which was Sherry Moon Zombie as Lily, Jeff Daniel Phillips as Herman, and Daniel Roebuck as Grandpa. And I know Daniel Roebuck best from the movie Quince, mm. where he, and from the movie The Late Shift, where he played Jay Leno. He's got that type of face where you see him and you go, oh, that guy. I know him from so many other Yeah, he's a, he's a real prominent character actor and without a doubt was the, the saving grace of the movie. Only highlight of But my my monsters. worry was, okay, he's cast his friends because he typically just works with the same few people again and again. And I hoped, okay, maybe he sees something in them that I'm just not seeing. And the only one that was even remotely worth mentioning is Daniel Roebuck. Yeah, Herman, or uh, I'm sure he's a lovely actor, but not in this part. And Sherry Moon Zombie, I even, I even said to you when we were watching Monster Go Home last night that you can, yes, Yvonne DiCarlo had a campy theatrical quality, mm-hmm. but it was totally in sync with everything else. And it was funny. And in the particular direction, the way that Rob Zombie was directing the live action movie, the camp seems to have been solely sucked out of the movie. Mm-hmm. And also we were, it was story wise, very confusing because I thought going into this, okay, Marilyn and Eddie aren't in this. So this must be a prequel to the events of the movie of the series. Mm-hmm. 
And it is. It is, but it's also not. Because you, you pointed out that doesn't Lily have a, a Tinder profile? Right. She, she has a dating profile because one of the other... Is a like Nosferatu. Yeah, one of the other recurring actors he works with a lot is Richard Brake. And he has a double part as both, I think, the villain of the movie. I don't even remember. And then he plays Nosferatu. But isn't Grandpa the villain? For a little bit, because he doesn't grandpa, like Herman. Yeah, and he's not Grandpa, he's the Count. Uh-huh. Which I hate that. No, he's Grandpa. He should be called Grandpa, whether he's Grandpa or not. The Munsters, the series, is very clearly... And, and the fundamentals of what made it funny was it was set in then-contemporary 1960s America. Mm-hmm. And the Munsters, the, the Rob Zombie Munsters, is very clearly set in present day. However, we don't know where... I didn't realize until we got to the very end when they get on the airplane. That they weren't in... Yeah, I think they were supposed to be in Transylvania. Right. But the monstery... Like, Transylvania is a real place. It doesn't look like that. But it also didn't make... It already takes away what makes the monsters work. Because if we're in a world where monsters exist Mm -hmm. and monsters are commonplace, then... The people like Herman, Lily, and Grandpa don't seem as extraordinary. And that was one of the problems because the bulk of the movie takes place in the Transylvania locale where, yeah, you're right, monsters are every day. So that's the fundamental thing about the monsters is they're fish out of water who don't realize they're out of water. Right. So it's like saying, okay, we're going to do I Dream of Genie, but everyone's a genie. (laughs) And... Or we're going to do Bewitched, and everyone's wife is a witch. Yeah. That was a really dispiriting experience, uh, because I was very much looking forward to the monsters until, of course, I saw the trailer. Right. And so, definitely how abysmally bad and unfunny. Isn't there a part where, is, is Herman in a band? I think at one point he's in a band. Yeah, I just remember him being in a band. There's a music video scene, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Something horrible, horrible, horrible. So my real dislike for that movie certainly has colored my opinion of Munster Go Home because anything in comparison is incredible. <laughs> so much better. And, you know, despite the fact that Munster Go Home is... Taking some swings and some liberties with what worked about the monsters, it already works a thousand times better because it's still in the prime and the heyday of the monsters' success. Well, in a way, yes. Certainly it's notoriety, even though, and this is a fun fact I read, the series was canceled two days before they started to film the movie. Oh, So this movie, well, let's get the dates right, because I was confused by the dates. Okay, you have to remember these dates, ready? Okay. Okay, the series aired on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. on CBS from September 24th, 1964 to May 12th, 1966. Okay. The Addams Family debuted on September 18th, 1964 and ran until April 8th, 1966. So I think they both premiered in the same week or the same few days. Right. Adam's family came first on September 18th. And then the Munsters was September 24th. 24th. And then, okay, so they ran for almost the exact amount of time. Adam's family has 64 episodes and Munsters has 70. And then what happened in 1966? What phenomenon came about that changed television for a little while? What was the big, massive thing that came in 1966? We've done two episodes on it. 
and one involves oh. talking into hot dogs. It's uh, Batman. Butch Patrick, who played Eddie, claims that he, and this is quoting him, I think Batman was to blame. Batman just came along and took away our ratings. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the Munsters and Batman kind of have the same basic shtick, which is Batman doesn't realize that he's sort of corny. He's a cornball. Mm-hmm. The difference, I suppose, there is that everyone else is cornballs, too, except for the villains. Right. But the style of humor, that very campy and satiric tone, is fundamentally somewhat similar between the two. Right. And certainly both tap into pre-existing pop culture, Batman tapping into I'll say this, too, though, that Batman, right out of the gate, has a very distinct style. And that's not to say that the monsters don't, but... The Adam West Batman series has the Pow Zam mm. fight scenes along with the incredible opening song <laughs> that it does make it hard for anything else that's competing in its time slot to really I'm trying to see, keep up. Because this was on what, what channel? Uh, oh, CBS. Yeah, Batman was ABC. So how did this movie, Monster Go Home, come about? Well, according to my, my very in-depth research, mm-hmm. which is like nothing because no one even thought, you know what, let's do some research on... I would have thought that you would have been the research department. Well, I tried to build a time machine and go back and and, and spy on the uh, conferences. (laughs) But apparently the reason for this movie was that they wanted... It came out immediately after. So when did I say The Munsters ended? May... May 1966. Yeah. This movie, Munster Go Home, came out... August 6th, 1966. Oh, okay. And it was originally, it was immediately filmed after the series ended, although it began production before it was canceled. So, yeah, that was my question, is that the show wrapped in May of 1966. Well, no, it it premiered, it ended filming, so it probably finished filming before May, because it ended in, the last episode came out. Right, the last episode was in May. So then they must not have known. No, because the original plan for this movie was they wanted to find a way to promote the series in international syndication. Mm -hmm. So other countries that maybe weren't aware of the Munsters because it only was showing in America, they had enough episodes to do syndication, not only in America, but across internationally. internationally. And at this time, they did that a lot. They did it with Batman. Mm -hmm. They did it with the man from Uncle. And that seems like, at least with Batman, that seems like something that they could easily... And in some cases, they would do the thing that the Looney Tunes always did, where they would string together a bunch of shorts and turn it into a movie. Mm -hmm. But with the case of Adam's Family... Oh, no. See, I just did it. In the case of the Munsters and Batman, they created original content. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons both of those movies didn't do well is at the time, audiences were conditioned to assume, oh, they're just editing some episodes together. I don't really want to do that. Because other series series had done that. And it took a while for audiences to realize, oh, there's actually uh, New new content. And the series... Cast and crew were informed of the series cancellation just before filming on the feature film began. Having a week hiatus, no, a uh, Mm W-E-E-K hiatus, after the second season of The Munsters had wrapped. So they... So they're informed of the show ending. Before they start to film. They finished the second season, had a week off. Sounds like our shooting schedule. Had a week (laughs) off and then went to do the movie. And just as they're about to do the movie, they get axed. 
And that was Which I'm sure made Fred Gwynn Fred very Gwynn was happy. so He was cheering You can actually If you listen now You can, you can hear still hear him cheering You can still hear the echo Of his cheering Because he was certainly Of these actors He There's a, a, a misconception Among casual fans That Herm That um See, I almost called him Herman Munster, which he would have hated. Mm-hmm. But that Herm, that I did again. I did it twice in a row. I was calling Fred Gwynn Herman Munster. He is now spinning around in his grave. I think, <laughs> where is he buried? This is, a, this is a Halloween show. Where is he buried? He is buried in Finksburg, Maryland. You can hear him. Yeah, I was going to say, you can hear him spinning. rolling in his coffin. There's the conception that Fred Gwynn hated the Munsters and never did it again. Well, he did hate the Munsters for a while. But he did come back. He, like I said, he was in the. I was gonna say he did do the, the one, show in the eighties. Well, the movie, not movie, the series. That's what I meant. But he was, a, and of course, nowadays, I, I actually think more people nowadays know him from his final movie role as the judge in My Cousin Vinny. Oh, right. And he and he was a lot of other things. He was in the Cotton Club, uh, which, Pet Cemetery, Pet Cemetery, uh, Shadows and Fog, which is a Woody Allen parody of uh, old black and white noir. Mm-hmm. And he was something else kind of famous. Oh, he was in. Uh, was he in Fail Attraction? Yeah, he was in Fail Attraction. Oh, so he went on to do a lot of things, but he really was typecast by Herman Munster, which mm-hmm. you would think, well. He was in makeup, makeup, but I guess he had such a distinctive voice. And actually, if you watch My Cousin Vinny, at the end, when Vinny and uh, Aunt May, uh, oh, uh, oh uh, God. Marissa Tomei, yeah. are driving away, he does a wave. Uh-huh. And it's the Herman Munster wave at the end of... of oh. And as a kid, I used to think that that was actually Herman Munster. In that Herman Munster... Because there's an episode... Where Eddie, no, no, where, where Grant, I forget how it happens. It's probably Grant, one of Grandpa's wacky inventions. Sure. Turns Herman ugly, which makes him mean he's just Frank Looks Gwynn. Like Fred Gwynn. The other episode I really like is where I was telling you, Eddie, Eddie's getting made fun of because he's short. Uh-huh. So Grandpa, he makes a potion that gives Eddie <laughs> a beard. Oh, no. My other favorite episode, because you know how much I love uh, food scenes. Right. Herman, he's got to go on a diet. Oh, no. And unfortunately, it's also, I think, someone's having a roast turkey dinner next door. Oh, no. And when they see Herman staring in, they think, oh, he wants to eat them. But no. He wants the turkey. He's on a locale diet. Oh, the other episode I like. Well, the bank vault. is Well, the bank vault one's my favorite. But where uh, Herman gets a ham radio. You know those? Uh-huh. And he thinks he's contacted Mars. But in uh. fact, it's just two kids outside playing Martian. <laughs> and he thinks that they're coming to get him. So her, so I, I almost, I called him for, I called him Herman again. <laughs> My God. The other person on here in the cast was, of course, Yvonne DiCarlo, mm-hmm. who again is probably most famous now for the Munsters, but she had a major, major film Wasn't career. Wasn't the Munsters her resurgence to... Yeah, she had, this was sort of like a comeback. She was in the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in a whole a whole slew of famous movies. Maybe nowadays not quite as famous, but she was a big star. And of course, Al Lewis is just a real bizarre character. Sure. Because he claimed he had a PhD. He claimed his name was one thing. He changed what his date of birth was. <laughs> in, in later years, he ran for governor of New York. He ran oh. as part of the Green Party. He was a very staunch left-wing activist. Mm-hmm. He called Henry Kissinger a murderer on an airplane when he was sitting behind Kissinger. Kissinger <laughs> was sitting in front. Hey, you. You're a murderer. That's my Al Lewis impression. He actually got 5,200 votes 
Wow. And in the Green Party election. And he was a and he had a, a famous restaurant in uh, New York called Grandpa's Bella Ristorante. Ah. Because Al Lewis is so clearly Italian. Sure. And the fun thing with that was if you went to New York, you could see Al Lewis at the restaurant. At the restaurant. And there was a, an icon, sort of a famous logo of Al Lewis drawn by Fred Gwynn, who was a really a talented. Uh, and then, of course, we have Butch Patrick, who nowadays best known as Eddie Munster, but he, he has a good sense of humor about it. And then, of course, we have uh, Pat Priest and the voice of the Raven. Pat Priest was the second Marilyn, was voiced by Mel Blanc. Really? The on the show. Huh. And this is, as, the, as you can tell, is a show I really like. And I had never really had any interest to see Munster go home. Is there a particular reason? Because, I mean, it's mostly the original cast so shortly after the end of the series. I think my reticence was I felt it lacked some fidelity to the series by being in color. I was going to say, that is the first big distinction. And they do... It's a double-edged sword because they do take advantage of it being in color, but that also, I think, made it an interesting viewing experience since we were so laser-focused on the inconsistencies with the color palette and the scheme in this movie. And I, and I thought about it more afterwards. And I wonder if... Because in certain shots, well, all the monsters look weird because they're in color. Mm-hmm. And they all have a sort of blue-gray quality to their makeup. Sometimes. Sometimes. But mostly Herman was the one who sometimes had way more green. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I cannot tell if that's an error on the part of the makeup person, who was actually Bud Westmore, who was a person who was very heavily involved with the original series of, of movies. Oh. The person who invented the, the original makeups was a guy named Jack Pierce and then Bud Westmore. It's also important to note that the series and the movie was produced in part by Universal. Right. So they had the copyright. That's why Herman Munster looks very much. But I was wondering, and I said this to you while we were watching it, perhaps the reason for the inconsistencies is not anything they could have controlled. It's just the fact that we're watching it on such a high def TV. That was never even, no one even thought, you know what? Someone's going to watch this in a really serious way Uh with with, with really advanced technology. They probably thought, well, this will air on TV a couple times and then you never see it again. Right. So I I wonder about that, but that was distracting to me about the movie, the, the inconsistencies Mm -hmm. And it, as I said to you, the original series is doing a parody, in a way, of the Universal monsters. But when you put the color, it felt to me like a Hammer Horror monster movie. Well, I also which were made think in the 60s. that there's something at least commendable about the fact that they were going to color with this because it was supposed to be a movie. And they really, they do make a really strong continued effort to not make it seem like it's being shot or framed like an episode of the TV show. Yeah, I think that's right. I never felt that it was just a long episode. It is essentially, to a degree, a long episode of the TV show, but it didn't look like it. And I'm not saying that it has the scope of, say, Dune, but... (laughs) That would be an unfair comparison. Sure, but it does have a little bit more scale I think than just a standard episode and that goes so far as to even the way that they're shooting and framing the characters that aren't the monsters as well as the monsters and the other thing that sort of disturbed me slightly uh-huh. was and, and I kept waiting for it was the laugh track yeah 
And weirdly, I think that kind of detracts from the movie. The fact that there is no laugh track. <laughs> and I almost wanted them to have just put in a laugh track because part of the fun of watching the Munsters, and it's the same thing with the Flintstones or a lot of those Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Right. Was You'd be watching a cartoon and there's a laugh there's track? There's people laughing? <laughs> how is this? How could there be an audience watching the cartoon? <laughs> and almost part of the fun of these old shows from this era is those really out of place laugh tracks that yeah. are clearly canned. That oh, someone yeah. They're not actually laughing at that crappy joke, but it makes it funnier because it's there. Sure. It almost took the air a little bit, I thought, out of some of the jokes because part of the, the punchline of the joke is... We're waiting for the yeah, laugh track. Uh, you know, a, a mummy shows up and, and Herman says, oh, I, I thought you were my daddy, but you're not my daddy. You're my mummy. Not very funny. But then there's a, a laugh track. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, okay, they get it. So right. maybe I should laugh too. Right. But I have to say though, I don't know how you felt, but as it went on, I got more used to the rhythm of having no laugh track. Yeah. I mean, it was jarring the first few moments especially because i feel that grandpa is the one that typically has the jokes that get the laugh track yeah and by the third or fourth pun <laughs> there is no laugh so that's up to us to laugh yeah i forget what the line was maybe you have one of the lines written down of this but there there was something where oh i think it's at the end he goes oh it's such a shame we have to leave on such a horrible night oh yeah <laughs> and he throws his instant rainstorm <laughs> Actually, this is more of a Christmas movie because at the end, there's right, a that's Christmas true. line. Well, and also the, the story is so uh, relentlessly convoluted Yeah, that you almost have to say, well, that is at least, again, them trying to make it a movie as opposed that's to a TV. Because like I said, the episodes revolve around very mundane topics. Eddie is upset or grandpa enters a science competition. And actually, as I'm thinking about it now, too, even if they had stuck to, let's say, two or three mundane subplots or, you know, conflicts that the monsters have to deal with, Mm -hmm. then I feel that the movie would have been more episodic. It's not really. Yes, there's moments in which it feels like this is being pulled from an episode. Mm -hmm. But as the movie goes on and there's this very... (laughs) ever-evolving scheme against them. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it reminded me a little bit of the episode about Scooby-Doo. Wasn't there something with counter for the Joker and the Penguin? Oh, inside the inflatable uh, balloon. Uh, yeah, but... The punch dolls. Yeah, right. right. And they go to the, the old woman's house uh-huh. and there's... counter. When did that episode come out? Uh, the caped... Uh, oh, God. Whatever it was. It was around this time. Wouldn't it have been? Maybe. No, I think it was actually later. Later? I think that was the second or third evolution of Scooby-Doo. Yeah, I'm trying to see when... Oh, yeah, this was that was definitely later. But regardless, for whatever reasons, in the 60s and 70s... Very complicated plot. But they, were, they really, really were interested in counterfeiting schemes. Yeah. When I think of the Munsters, I don't think of counterfeiting schemes in England. <laughs> right. And that was, what was one of my initial worries when we were starting to watch and we were bidding... I really didn't know what the movie was about. I didn't read Mm -hmm. anything about the the story. And my initial hesitation as it was unfolding was, okay, the plot is Herman has inherited not only a, what would you call that? An estate? I mean, I guess it is. It's the castle. But not only that, he has inherited an English peerage. 
<laughs> because he now becomes Lord, Lord Munster. Yeah, Lord. Which he remember he tries to be very incognito, and it cuts to him wearing the full button-up jacket with the diamond-studded Lord Munster on the back of his and a bowler hat. And a that, bowler hat that barely goes down. I feel like it shrunk and got ever so smaller as he put it on each time. Oh God. So he inherits, yeah, an English manor is what I'm looking for. Okay. In Shroudshire, England, which that sounds like it could potentially be a real place. But even if it's not, it sounds as in line with the fact that they live in Mockingbird Lane. So there's yeah. a kind of And, he, and the town they live in is Mockingbird Heights, so it, yeah. it sounds good. And so the, the Munsters go to England. Right. And by the way, this may be a shocking revelation for you, and I, don't, I hope this doesn't spoil the verisimilitude that the film is able to create. Okay. It was actually shot in a studio. Not one second of it was shot in, in England. Wait, I don't so think. you mean those rolling desert hills where they eventually take the place in the rain? It's rate? amazing how England looks nothing, nothing like, like Southern California. <laughs> and unfortunately, those amazing stock footage shots of a cruise liner... Uh-huh. They, they were actually filmed for probably an actual movie. Oh, that explains Although there it. was that really weird shot that was actually kind of decent, where I said to you, it looks like a... A, a, a miniature. A miniature. Because for the first few stock footage shots that they use of... Remember what the boat is called? Uh, what was it? The boat that they're getting yeah. on is the USS United States. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. They use what were we f- watching recently? We're so- oh, it was in the new Spider-Man movie where Spider-Man says about ATM. How you shouldn't say ATM machine because ATM means ATM. So this is the same thing. This is the U.S. United States. So it's the United States, United States. States. <laughs> but they get on the cruise ship to get to England. And the first few shots of it departing from the dock and then setting sail it is so grainy it's like it's being passed through a sieve it or looked some kind like of... what netflix looked like when it was trying to, <laughs> to load it was so grainy but then there's a it might have been after herman was already seasick and heading to the dinner <laughs> and then it cuts to a shot of a very close-up boat that's passing through the waters not to say that it looks like Titanic. No. But it looks way clearer than any of the I'd other I'd rather things. watch this than, than Titanic. That's true. Much shorter. And they go to England, and it turns out that living at Munster Manor, or, or Munster Hall, mm-hmm. is Herman's relatives. There's Aunt Effigy. Played by Hermione Gingold, who, if you've ever seen an... A, she's one of those faces that you've seen in... She always played very eccentric British... Ladies. She seems like that's the type of role she was typically The other person she was often compared to was Hermione Badley, who was one of the housekeepers in Mary Poppins. That's one of those people you've seen a lot. And she's the Lady Effigy, who is, I guess, Herman's... She's a very confusing character to me. Herman's aunt? Uh, How so? Because she... Because you're right. She is presented first as she seems almost excited, but still skeptical of the monsters arriving from America. Mm. As the movie transgresses and moves forward, there's a fact that she has a allegiance to this person called the Griffin, yeah. which it seems like is scheming against the monsters from actually getting to keep Monster Hall. Because the and Griffin she really is... wants to rely on 
the Griffin's grand scheme that she knows nothing about. So it's it's almost like I would have thought she would have been the one to have stayed the most consistent in terms of she actually is nice towards the monsters. Yeah, because I couldn't tell quite what did, did she know, one, who the Griffin was. I don't think she did. But she did, though, because I don't, without spoiling it, it involved a marriage. Oh, you're right. A prearranged marriage. By the way, spoiling it. On the one hand, the reveal of the Griffin, who is this mastermind involved in the counterfeiting scheme that's happening in the dungeons of Monster Hall. The reveal is a good twist because I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And I also thought, oh, okay. I, I was dead certain it was going to be an easy... I thought it was going to be the old An easy yeah. answer, yeah. And it turned out with someone else. So that's on the one hand. On the other hand, who cares? <laughs> who cares if she's... <laughs> it has no effect on me whatsoever. Right. But of course, Lady Effigy, she has her two sidekicks. Right. Her son. This is Herman's cousins, Grace and Freddie. And of course, Freddie, as I as we know, is played by the great Terry Thomas. And if you're a fan of, well, I would say nowadays, you wouldn't necessarily know his face. He had a very famous gap tooth. Uh-huh. And part of his shtick was, in fact, not getting dental work and just having that gap tooth. And he always played these sorts of English cads. Right who pronounce things like this, and oh, mommy. And if you know his voice, you'll recognize him as Sir Hiss uh-huh. from Disney's Robin Hood. He yeah. was the and as you said oh, that, sire. I immediately realized, oh, okay. It's Robin Hood, sire. Who, of course, but, was then later ripped off in... Well, no, he was the ripoff of, of Ka. Ka. But I love his temper tantrum freakouts, <laughs> especially because it made me think more of the magician from... Bross's no Messy, 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 messy. <laughs> I forget what he says, but he says something with that type of cadence. Yeah. Uh, and then immediately Terry jumps Thomas. into the scene where he has the battle axe. Remember, he's at the table and he, for some reason, can't cut his cake. Yeah. And so he just takes the battle axe off the wall and starts <laughs> smacking it down onto the plate. I think what we mean the first time he's on the ground, just, no, no. <laughs> I don't want these people from America coming here, mumsy. I think it was almost a parody of the then Prince Charles. I think mm. that was something of a parody that they used to do at the time of him being sort of... Uh, snobbish. Snobbish, perhaps. But yeah, he definitely has that professor abracadabra to quote a phrase <laughs> <laughs> oh yes oh god what's the other I'm trying to think of what the other there's a great I love Professor Henkel he's one of my favorite since this is a holiday Joshua. I like when he kills Frosty by locking him in a greenhouse. That's pretty dark. I want to see the scene where Karen, who's the, the little she girl, has to, say goodbye has to, to Frosty. watch Frosty die slowly in front of her. It's pretty sad. And of course their evil scheme is not Karen and not actually Professor Hinkle's scheme is so simple he just wants that hat bat right whereas in the Munster, Munster Go Home they want to scare and I have to no, say no well remember go ahead Aunt Effigy wants to just scare them away but right. Grace and Freddy are all about killing them they are bloodthirsty because right. <laughs> he wants to remember and I quote bash them on the cranium with my battle axe. I want to bash them on the cranium with my battle axe, Mumsy. And then remember he throws it against the wall and rather than it lining right back up where it was, it makes that... Yeah, it makes the sound usually associated with other bodily rising. Right. <laughs> Taking on it. It was a good... Maybe at that time in, in the 1960s, that boing sound. True. Which we associate, as I say, with other things. Uh-huh. 
uh, some other things that come up. It can be used as a spring to, for example, I imagine that to be used when the Joker's uh, mattress launches oh, okay. them. But I just associate it with the with the other. Uh, sure. But another element, as it was unfolding, that I was concerned by was okay. The joke of the monsters is they are monsters living in real world American suburbia. Uh huh. Now we're taking them and we're putting them into. Another... A haunted house, though. It's not actually haunted, but it's a spooky old house. Right. An old dark... Actually, it fits... It's a sort of genre of old dark old house. Dark house. Yeah. How is it going to work when they're now in an environment that they should be? And right. I actually think that they come up with a good solution, which is the two cousins try to scare the monsters away. That does lead to a great scene. And a genuinely great scene. And the scene. fact that they try to scare them, it turns out that... No, the monsters think they're, they're being hospitable. Right. But this, that, this scene, is the welcome wagon. There's a scene where they have, I don't know how they're doing it, but the wall moves away and suddenly there's a woman in a coffin. It's just a random woman <laughs> in a coffin. And then the wall spins around and it's just a chattering skeleton. And then there's a dancing head. <laughs> and then there's a body that swings in. That's strung up by its neck, and Herman and Lily are. <laughs> Does it say so? Oh, then Freddy comes down, right? He's right. in the ghost outfit. Does he say like, "I'm gonna kill you"? I'm gonna kill you. And then and it goes, "Oh, how no!" And then what... yeah, Herman says something about how novel it is. I think, <laughs> and then I sure know how to make a man feel at home. <laughs> And then Freddy jumps through the wall. That scene to me was my favorite of the whole movie because I thought, oh, this is really... That's the most in line with it. Yeah, and it felt... It was genuinely funny. Uh-huh. That they're... Le- <laughs> Freddy's going to all these machinations to scare right. them out and it's not working. And in fact, at the end, doesn't he <laughs> Doesn't he run out of the room? He does because he's scared of them. <laughs> I also... Anytime Grandpa changes into... Right, well, that is a big... I would say it's a big kind of subplot because it comes back a few times. Yeah, because on the boat, I forget, why does Grandpa turn into a... Oh, he takes the wrong... Herman automatically gets seasick the second they pull... Remember he's doing that whole speech about, oh, I'm ready to go on the bounding main. Everything ship shape. And then he says, I'm dying. I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) We're moving. (laughs) And Grandpa... I forget if he immediately says he's going to make a concoction. Well, remember he oh, no. said he sends three m- days go by. I think. Yeah, he sends Marilyn and Eddie down to the car uh-huh. to get his portable laboratory. Which, as we know, the second that they get down and you see in the dock or on the the, the lower hold. deck of there yeah. that there's a car. I wonder what's going to be yeah. used later in the movie. But I forget how exactly. I think Grandpa. Well, this happens a lot on the show. Grandpa makes a potion and it does something uh-huh. else. And Herman says that he won't take the pill unless Grandpa takes the pill. Right. And it turns Grandpa into a, a wolf. Because he takes a, the wolf pill. Isn't there something, though, where they were. People on the boat said, oh, there's a dog? Yeah. So Grandpa, his hand starts to morph from a regular hand into a full on woolly mm-hmm. mitt. And it's not exactly Rick Baker style, it's more Lon Chaney. Yeah, it's somewhere in between. <laughs> somewhere in between. And the next shot after he is trying to rush back to his cabin, he's already turned into a full-on wolf. <laughs> and the crew says, get that dog. But to me, that's a wolf. Well, that's also, not a full, that's not a dog <laughs> at all. Like when I think a dog, I think, you know, a dog. But this is a huge timber wolf. <laughs> it's running across this, this big nine, set. 900 pound wolf. <laughs> But it comes back several times. Yeah, because that whole ending where it's the car... Well, there's multiple 
races right. and chases going on. And actually, though, that does lead to a kind of funny, interesting problem where they do catch Grandpa as a wolf off screen, of course, and throw him into quarantine. Yes, on the boat. remember he's going to be quarantined for six months? <laughs> and... Herman, having been told that he needs to go and try and get Grandpa out of the hold, um, Lily. he goes and he breaks the lock off and the wolf starts to kiss Herman on the mouth. <laughs> and then the captain and the purser come into the holding deck and they see Herman holding the wolf. And that freaks them out because... Not because it's a wolf, but it's because it's a Frankenstein monster. <laughs> yeah, the wolf is the least scary thing. <laughs> but and then, of course... That leads to a hilarious <laughs> part where the purser, he runs right up the ladder that's in the room and there's an escape hatch at the top, but it's not open. And so he just keeps rushing up, 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 up until he bangs his head on the escape hatch and then slides right back down. Then, but the captain's is the best part because he rushes out and then he sees some random guest. He's on the other side of the deck. And he runs up and pushes that guest against the wall and then jumps into, I think it's some sort of gutter or steam hatch. Yeah, those. Why he went out of his way to rush in and just he was, push someone. He was panicking in one direction and he turned around to just shove this guy. Well, I meant the part that happens once they get off the boat. Oh, that was even weirder. <laughs> You mean when they're going through customs, yeah. right? Because they finally dock in England and they have to then dress back up in their quote unquote normal garb. But because grandpa is a wolf right now, they can't have the animal, uh -huh. but they could have a mink. <laughs> and so it cuts to Lily wearing grandpa as a wolf, as a, essentially like a neck warmer because it's yeah. a giant wolf around her neck. And obviously it's a... There's several layers to this. <laughs> Because, okay, first of all, Lily's a vampire. Secondly, she's just got off a boat, which usually spells disaster. But in this case, sure, Lily is wearing a mink, but it's not a mink. It's a wolf. And it's not a, a wolf. It's, it's grandpa, her father. Her, her father, who is in the form of a wolf. And her father <laughs> is a vampire and her father is actually Dracula. So it's a multi-layered inception level, tenant level. Now, did anyone else aside from us? No one! <laughs> no one even thought for a No one's even watched that scene. <laughs> but that level of weirdness, they want the Rob Zombie one to be. I can't even, mm. I can't even point out a specific moment, but it's, that's the kind of humor. And there's, there's that, in fact, that's, but that's also totally absent from that. Well, exactly. They, they want that, but they're not getting it. Mm -hmm. I know there's another episode of the series where Eddie has to enter a pet competition. And so grandpa turns into a bat, but there's another bat and they get switched. Oh no. And so grandpa is sent to a, to a laboratory in Washington, DC. That's a thing that happens on the show that I really like. And I loved it in the movie. Something I did not like in the movie. Uh-huh. And it, uh, unfortunately, in fact, I don't know when the episode will come out. Probably after this episode. But when I talked about the movie Gorgo, uh -huh. I talked about how there was no love story at all. And then that would have really slowed the movie down. Right. Because when they in these movies, when they usually had women characters, usually they were treated either as shrews. Actually, in this movie, you have at least... Three shrews. That's true. Or they're just used as love interests. And unfortunately, Marilyn's characterization in this is simply to have and some eye candy. And how different is Marilyn's characterization in this from the show? Because it seems like that's the well, basic that, type of role that Marilyn was typically Usually playing. she would go come in and say, Aunt Lily, I can't find Grandpa. 
Or she'd go, Uncle Herman, I have a date tonight. That was really most of what Marilyn always Uh had to do. But in this one, it felt even worse because it wasn't the real Marilyn. As much as I love... Well, I don't know if I love her. I've only seen her in one thing, Monster Go Home. As much as I like Debbie Watson's performance, she was fine. It's not really a character to be... It's not exactly Lady Macbeth. Sure. It just feels weird because Marilyn was constantly being replaced. Yeah, because the, the original one was Beverly Owen, who was in the first few episodes. And then it was she eventually left. Pat Priest. Pat Priest. And apparently, Pat Priest was devastated when she wasn't brought back for the Monster Go Home. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, an extra paycheck. Probably had a lot of money, and to be, I don't have a lot of money. I I will say though, it is funny the way that they first set up her eventual love interest in this. I think his name is Roger. <laughs> Roger Debris presents history, but she's in the lower deck with Eddie, where they're in the they're trying to get the uh-huh. stuff out of the car. And she pretends to be driving after Eddie was <laughs> pretending to drive in this super fancy car. Yes. And the the gentleman, her gentleman suitor, who... Do you remember who he was? He is Robert Pine. Oh, Chris Pine's grandpa. Who's Grant. And his wife, Anne Gwynn, mm-hmm. was in House of... Dracula, which was the last of the official original Universal. Oh no, no, excuse me, I was wrong. She was in House of Frankenstein, which is one of the last ones. Right, but she's pretending to race, and I guess it's his car is the one that she's sitting in. Yeah, the and she quickly apologizes and she opens the door, but it cuts to her and her skirt is just ever so slightly above her knee, and he looks and she quickly has to put her <laughs> skirt back over her knee, and he makes this face where he's like you trollop and, th- and that was probably even funny in 1960s standards because by then they were showing sure more by then but that was part of the joke of it and of course the the movie i still don't really understand why did the griffin and the ant want the monsters out so that they wouldn't discover or shut down the counterfeiting scheme if i understand it correctly because there's that whole scene where grandpa and herman go investigating the griffin is I think the Griffin's the mastermind behind the whole thing. Right. But and why couldn't they just move the Enterprise someplace else? Well, because I think that in the will of the uncle that Herman had that passed, mm-hmm. when they assigned him as the new Lord Munster and would also inherit Munster Hall, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to continue using Munster Hall as the place to run the counterfeiting ring out of but why not just move someplace else well i guess because freddie would be the rightful heir to it oh i know right 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 because there's that whole stuff pre-arranged marriage yes 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 yes. unfortunately the scheme doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's really too convoluted to follow you could have done what you could have had just be the basic plot of that the family wants the manor because it carries with it a certain financial right accompaniment or just the peerage. Right, and this sort of the status thing. That and the, the, too many moving parts, I think. I think yeah. actually in their attempts to justify this as a movie, they actually overdid it. And I would too also many, even argue, too, too that that does affect well, the, or rather them wanting to make this a theatrical event, if mm-hmm. you will. Having the extra layer and subplots of Marilyn is having boy troubles and the yeah. boy kind of likes her, but then there's also animosity because... Well, there's a, there's a Romeo family, and Juliet's almost... Yes, there's a family fight, I guess, because his family has always bested 
the monsters in the annual race that is done in this town in England. Yeah. I think. Yeah. There's a longstanding feud between Chris Pine's grandfather's fictional monster movie family <laughs> and the fictional monster family. But it does any time cut to them make it a little bit less fun and interesting because and I would say you that don't, you don't really care. I would say that also about the whole ending where it, it builds to this car what would you call it? It's not a car. Is it called it's like a, a rally? A dragster? Is that called a dragster? That yeah. the drag or is that a drag? I guess well, it would no. be a drag race. But isn't drag race? Now it's used for. Oh, okay, so that's what it originally meant. But at the same time. Oh, I get it. Dragula. Uh huh. Dragster. Okay. See, as as you can tell, I really don't know about racing. I don't care about racing, and I've yeah. never liked it ever. But in Even here, in heavyweights, is that's my least part. That's my least favorite part. And truthfully, that is where the movie starts to wear a little thin for me. Because it's multiple levels of Herman's in the race, and then Lily and Grandpa... They've been kidnapped by and Terry held hostage by Freddy, and they need to escape. Marilyn and Eddie are watching from the stands, but... There's so many cutting back and forth between the characters where they are. It's too busy. It's too and bombastic. Lily and Grandpa are also trying to get back to the race course. And they go through different things. And of course, as much as I dislike that whole ending, it had two wonderful, hilarious things. One genuinely funny and one a wonderful, cheap thing. Is that at some point, Grandpa and Lily take horses. Oh, of course. And so, How did I forget? And so at first... They get on horses, and it's real horses, and it's real stunt doubles. You've sure, captured our stunt doubles. It sure is real people, but because, it's not them. And it's so, it's the worst doubling I've ever seen maybe in a movie. My question is, and this would be if I were going back and trying to direct it. Yes. Why would you even bother trying to shoot them from the head on? Because when the stunt doubles actually get on top of the horse, and you see the horse head on... It's so obviously not Al Lewis and Yvonne DiCarlo. I wouldn't have even bothered putting a shot of their stunt doubles facing forward. And here's a little interesting trivia before I forget it. Al Lewis was younger than Yvonne DiCarlo. Really? He was, he was actually only, he was a year younger than her. And then they get on the, the, the horse race and they do the shot of, <laughs> of Grandpa and Lily on the horses. And it also harkens back to... Surfs up Joker's under. Yes. Because okay, there's a few levels. One is the very terrible rear projection. Very terrible. And the other is, you know when you go to a grocery store or you go to uh, where they have those little horses? Those little... Yeah, things that you sit outside. Yeah, and you put a quarter in and it bounces up and down. Right. That's what Juan <laughs> DiCarlo and Al Lewis are on. It's like in Batman Returns when they shoot, <laughs> when they see Penguin and he's and he's on the. I'm gonna drive this stinking city like a heart from hell. <laughs> and it's the fakest horses and ever committed to film. What's worse too is that it wasn't so super noticeable until you pointed it out when it was the two of them. Because there's a point in which Al Lewis falls off of the yeah. his horse, or rather his stunt double falls off his horse. But then it cuts back minimally twice to Yvonne DiCarlo on her horse, but there's the other horse riding alongside of her. And it is so obviously a fake horse that has a plastic <laughs> neck because as it starts to move you can see the plastic folds forming you can almost see a guy underneath it like bouncing it up and down <laughs> but in spite of all that 
the biggest laugh I think in the movie for us, even better than the oh. laugh. Oh, no question. Than the exactly laugh where Freddy's going. trying to scare them is at the end. The resolve of how they essentially Scooby Doo the Griffin, <laughs> because the Griffin is the Griffin has replaced Roger. Marilyn's boyfriend. Yeah, and is and is going to use his dragster to kill Herman and run right. Herman over. And so there's this the whole tension of the entire scene is can Lily and Grandpa get to Herman right. to and alert also, him about the potential murderous Marilyn plot. and Eddie are sitting in front of that boy's parents at the race and Marilyn keeps saying, what's he doing? He's going to hurt daddy or whatever. Yeah. And the father is defending this person saying like, good show, son. You're showing him how to run off the road. And you have to, we won't even spoil it, but the way that Herman defeats the villain is by just standing there. <laughs> I will say incredible stunt work. I mean, the people at <laughs> we John should have Wick done five, a frame by frame analysis. <laughs> the people at John Wick Five should take notes from this scene. You have to see my favorite ending of any recent movie I've seen is John Wick Four, where he, you know, he right the amazing, amazing gun shot. battle. But the second favorite ending is how Herman defeats the evil Griffin. <laughs> And uh, one of the other things that's worthwhile when, when talking about certainly the series, but also the, the movie, is you get a lot of great character actors. There's a lot of good people in this. You get John Carradine, who was he, he was part of the John Ford Stock Company. He was in Stagecoach. He was in a bunch of John Ford films. Mm -hmm. He played Dracula a number of times, House of Dracula. House Frankenstein, uh, a really wonderful bad movie called Billy the Kid versus Dracula, oh. where Billy the H the Kid hides out in Dracula's castle, and he's also the father of Robert Carradine and um, David Carradine. Yeah, who's the one who was in Andre? Remember Andre with the um, seal? I'm trying to remember which one. Uh, Keith Carradine. Oh, and narrated by Superman 3's Annette O'Toole. Oh. Now, other two people kind of interesting in Munster Go Home. I was thinking of Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson, who's most famous for kissing people. Richard Dawson, I'll tell you when we're ready to play the feud. <laughs> and of course, that was parodied by John Astin. Oh, that's right, in European Vacation. In European Vacation. Well, there is that very funny scene where Richard Dawson, I guess, is one of the henchmen in this mm. counterfeiting scheme and they're sneaking out of Munster Hall with the money and there's that scene where Grandpa and Herman are sneaking around trying to figure out what's going on at Munster uh -huh. Hall and remember Herman's dressed in his nightgown? Yes. With his Frankenstein boots still on. That's true. But they get scared by the Munsters and Richard Dawson <laughs> doesn't get into the escape vehicle. But remember, he's running faster in like double speed or triple yeah. speed faster than the actual getaway vehicle. <laughs> and of course, there's that in that scene, Fred Gwynn not only references Car 54, where are you? Oh, of course. But he says, call Batman, right? Call Batman. And, and Car 54 was a series that both Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis had appeared in before. Not as good, very funny, not as good as the monsters, I think. Now, who is the other person who's very important to our podcast who's in this movie? Oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Well, tell me the movie he was in. At least two of the movies. We've talked about, let me see, one, two... Oh, it's escaping me. We talked about this last night. I'll give you a hint. He lost his marbles. Oh, right. Uh, it's snowing again. <laughs> but what's his name? It's uh, something Moffat? Close. Arthur Mallet. Arthur Mallet. Who played Dick Van Dyke's son in Mary Poppins. Right. He's a, Come down. 
<laughs> he was in. Oh, he was in the original Halloween. Oh. He played Angus Taylor. I don't. I don't I'm not really sure. Familiar with the Sounds good to me. And he was, of course, in The Secret of Nim One and Two. Oh, as, of course. As Mr. Ages. And from our Halloween special, no, from our Thanksgiving special, Hook, Hook, yeah, where he was, um, Toodles, Toodles, where he dumps the Hook, <laughs> Hook. <laughs> you know, the other thing though that I feel we've neglected to mention yeah. is that this was written to be so. At least the English characters are written to be so cartoonishly over the top mm-hmm. to the point where everyone is top. basically saying I say huh? <laughs> it's true but there's it's very Nigel Thornberry hilarious insults that are tossed around for example there's this scene where Marilyn crashes her bike mm-hmm. into Roger's father's bike when yes. they're on the road and I forget the reason that they go to his house but when he eventually comes down the stairs, she calls him an English rat fink. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Look, the writing, no one will accuse this of being Tennessee Williams. Sure. And as a big Munsters fan, I personally am of the opinion that I don't think any movie based on the Munsters can be a major success. Because why? Because the core, the nucleus of the Munsters conceit is... A parody of sitcoms, of sitcom life, particularly mm-hmm. at this point. Of the This was the 1960s before sitcoms dealt with topicality and right. issue-based subjects that would come in the 70s. Sitcoms of the 60s were mainly dedicated to the frivolity of, Everyday of, life. of an Americana that really didn't exist. Right. And that the joke, the entire premise of the monster is that this... Banality is happening to Frankenstein and his wife. But that they're also blissfully unaware of... Because the other thing that we didn't mention, too, is that when they're on the boat and they send Marilyn off to go and essentially explore a little bit, yes. they didn't want her to be discouraged because her... I wrote it down. Grandpa says a great line to her. Because part, he part, yeah, part of the thing with the monsters is when it's a shorter contained story, I think it just works better. He says, don't let your unattractiveness discourage you from finding some cute men on board, Marilyn. (laughs) So Marilyn, the joke with her is that they think she's the ugly one, even Uh though she's the most normal looking one. Normal, quote unquote normal. But I think what makes the Munsters great is when it's doing a parody of sitcoms. And in that, and when you take it to a movie, it doesn't quite, you kind of lose the foundation of what the whole concept is. Well, to that very conceit. A sitcom really only works best in 20 to 25 minute increments. And I, as you said, I, I think if you're a fan of the Munsters, it's worth checking out. It doesn't disrespect the tone of it. Yeah. It's certainly, as we said, it's almost a, an extent. Well, it's not almost. It is an extension of the Munsters, the show. And it's without a doubt. And it's even a contest. Oh, yeah. Better than the Rob Zombie. No questions asked. But I will say this does raise the question that we asked yes, earlier, please. which is... And this is a Halloween special. Would you really even consider this for Halloween? Because I feel that the other thing that does actually detract from this being even considered in a rotation yeah. is I would much rather go for the black and white style mm. television show. Yeah. 
because that is in line with some of the older I th- horror movies. I think you're right. If I'm going to use the monsters to get into a Halloween spirit, I'm more likely to go to the series. But this one does have long parts set in an old dark manner. Mm-hmm. And There's it, a scene where they're basically doing Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah, that, when they're searching for the counterfeiting room. Right. And at the end of the day, it is Frankenstein, Dracula, a werewolf, and, a, and, and the daughter of Dracula. So eh, I don't know that this, this would be my go-to for a Halloween movie. But certainly, if you're looking for an obscure Halloween movie... Definitely. Where else can you look... What better movie to watch on Halloween than a movie that has nothing to do with Halloween? And uh, so, okay, so this was our Halloween special, and we'll uh-huh. be back next month with with, an, with what well, I, we haven't watched it yet. You're but right. my guess is this this Halloween movie pales in comparison to how scary and frightening. Oh, very good point. Our Thanksgiving movie, yeah, will be on on multiple levels. I'll say. I hope there's a scene. Where Mary Steenburgen stops the villain by standing in the middle of a racetrack. <laughs> Obscure Obsessions 3 is directed and produced by Taylor and Nick Zaccario and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom and Walpurnia Music for providing the score. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for episode details, previews, and more. And check out our blog at obscureobsessionsblog.blogspot.com for movie recommendations, lists, reviews, and articles. We thank you for your continued support.